Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. I'm Bill, and that is Russ right there. There's only two of us today. What's what's going on, Russ? Uh, nothing much. This is our smallest crowd ever. I think it's going to be a nice, intimate affair. <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel like, well, you know what? It might be a shorter episode, but I think that you and I can easily fill an hour because there is a lot for us to talk about today. But before we yeah. get there, uh, real quick, I want to say that Russ has a game running in the background uh we don't know what that or he knows what game it is i don't know what game it is for the audio listeners for the people who are uh, just listening to this don't worry at the end of the show i'm going to play audio from whatever that game that is and i'm going to try and guess what it is uh but if you guys who are watching this on youtube know what it is type it in the comments down below and we'll see if you get it right uh, and speaking of comments, uh, we also have a, a like a, a comment that somebody sent in that I thought was a really interesting topic. So big thank you to them. Uh, it's about like your favorite bad game. So we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, let's let's start things off with the news, and then we'll get to what we've been playing later. Uh, boy, you know the the big thing that I just made a video about it yesterday is the Lenovo Legion Go, uh, because on September 1st, we're, we're recording this on the 2nd, on September 1st, um, they officially announced it, and there were some things that changed. So before we get to all of the things that changed, let's just talk about what we now know for, in fact, about the device. Uh, Russ, what's what's like the top thing that you want to talk about here? Uh other than the screen, uh, I, I do I, I like the fact that it's real and that like most of the stuff that we were uh, postulating about is actually going to happen. The biggest surprise for me was the price. Like we had heard it was going to be seven ninety nine, and I I remember thinking, you know, even last week, I'm like, it's going to be hard to justify an additional one hundred dollars over the ROG Ally, which is already fifty dollars more than the highest Steam Deck. And so, it's just kind of these cascading steps. But now that they announced it, it being starting at six ninety nine, I'm like, oh, well, now now we're talking, you know, and so I'm pretty excited about it. Now it's like that we have a lot of these specs, a lot of improvements in many areas over the ROG Ally and the Steam Deck and at that same price point. Yeah, that price point really did surprise me. I was actually at work and I saw like people like talking about the price, like like on Twitter and they were like, oh, it's six ninety nine because I looked in my lunch break uh, or they said what the price was and my immediate reaction was, oh, okay, well, that's probably for the Z1 chip, not for the Z1 Extreme chip, but that's not true. It turns out that it's it's $700 for the Z1 Extreme chip with the RAM that is faster than the ROG Ally. So this should be more right. performant than the ROG Ally. And for only $50 more, you end up getting a terabyte SSD in there instead of a half a terabyte. So so it's $750 or, or 749 whatever, um, if you want to get a terabyte SSD. What do you, like, when, when you see that, $50 is almost nothing. Like, would you, cons like, for me, I don't think I would even consider getting the lower spec one and then opening it up and putting in an SSD because it's only $50 for a terabyte one. 
Right. I mean, just buying a terabyte hard drive will cost you between $75 and $100 if you get a decent one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like at that point, yeah, I'd rather just have Lenovo do it, you know? And so, yeah, for me, $50 makes a lot of sense uh, to have that upgrade. It's it's a really good deal, honestly, uh, to get that much storage. I mean, obviously, there's still a micro SD card slot. You can always go down that route as well. Um, but yeah, if I was just to buy this off the market, yeah, I'd totally buy the 751. Yeah, same same with me. It's only fifty dollars for that extra uh, extra storage. Uh, let's move on and talk about the controls because we we we, I mean, they didn't give us much more information in their actual like press release. But uh, Dave Two D uh, has one in hand, and he made a video where he was talking about how the controls work and. Uh, he said that his is a prototype and that things are actually going to change when the real one comes out. And um, one of the things that he's talked about is like it comes with, first off, it comes with a case. ROG Ally does not come with a case. I don't know that that's a big deal, but that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, and in that case, there's a spot in the bottom for that weird little hockey puck thing that we talked about last time. And it's got basically a hole that you're... Um, right Joy-Con snaps into and the the one that uh, when it releases apparently it's going to be magnetic so when you put it in there and it magnetizes it's then going to automatically switch over to what they're calling FPS mode and I think that that is really compelling now for me I I'm not super excited about like that mousing stuff, I think it's cool. But at the same time, like, I don't know that I will sit down, get out that kickstand and play like that. Do you think that that you are going to like sit down, get out the kickstand, pop off the joy cons, put that thing in in mouse mode and play at a desk like that? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like that's going to be for the people who buy gaming laptops and they don't want to have a gaming laptop. Like, I feel like that's that audience and that's not me. I see that and I think, oh, great. That's a very easy to use, like configuration mouse mm -hmm. mode. Like when I need to set something in an emulator, like that's what I see it as. And so, um, I, I do see the value in that. I mean, like, you know, just thinking about like the GPD win four, which had a little mouse nub on it, uh, that that opened up a whole world in terms of just extra controls and feel. I know a lot of these handhelds have the ability to use like an analog stick as a mouse. It never works that well. And obviously the Steam Deck has those trackpads and this one will too. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of having an ability to just jump and use a mouse. You know, with my ROG Ally, I often will just pair it with a Bluetooth mouse to have on hand if I need to go into the settings or do anything else like that. And so this just removes that requirement. And uh, it's just a nice bonus feature for me to have on a handheld that I'm going to be playing in handheld mode. Yeah, most of the time I have my Logitech uh, MX Master 3 mouse. And if you push a button on the bottom of it, it, sw it swaps between different devices. So on this one, three is my Mac. So it connects to my Mac. Uh, one connects to my Windows machine over there. And then two is currently set up to connect to my ROG Ally uh, so that anytime that I want to use a mouse with the ROG Ally, it's easy to do. All I got to do is like hit that button and then wait for the Bluetooth to do its little negotiation thing. And then I just usually just sit there wiggling the mouse for a while. And then it's like, Hey, I'm awake now. And it works. And Oh, you've got the same one. <laughs> I got the same one. <laughs> yeah. It's a great yeah, I do the same thing. 
For me, it's always though, you know, I have one for my Mac, one for my Windows, and it's always the third one is which device am I going to pair it with, like mm -hmm. right now? You know what I mean? And now I don't have to worry about that with the Lenovo. I can just, you know, use the, its own mouse, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but then something occurred to me as I was thinking about this device all week, uh, looking forward to Friday for when it was going to get announced. It was a, a, like I kept thinking about the detachable controllers. And the left controller is very compelling to me because what I would love to do is buy, I mean, I'll probably end up getting this device anyway because I want to make a video about it or two or three videos. I want to be able to talk about it. Um, but uh, if I could just get the controllers, I would love to be able to pair those controllers to my PC and then sit there with, because I, I don't do WASD because it, it hurts because I broke my elbow. Uh, years ago, and it still hurts to like sit with WASD for a long period of time. So I would love to have just that left controller for WASD. I think that that's really cool. Uh, anything? Yeah, you know, I was, go ahead. I was I was thinking about you the other day because I reviewed this little controller here. This is like that little <laughs> eight bit do pro or micro. I loved this the thumbnail, by the way. <laughs> Oh, thanks. This keyboard, uh, this has a keyboard function. So you could set this to WASD, right? And then just and like you, because you were talking about Baldur's Gate 3 and how you lean back while mm -hmm. you're playing, you know? And so you could have this in your other hand, just kind of moving around. Like you can even set it up to ma macros, basically. And be like, hey, this will be like whatever macro function you need without having to hunch over the keyboard. And so I think the Lenovo would work similar in that regard. And so, yeah, there's some pretty neat ideas with both this and with the Lenovo in terms of just having an additional like body position while you're gaming. Yeah, uh, so at the beginning of this, you said, well, except for the screen, so let's talk about the screen because the leaked information that we had, uh, they had uh, the leaked information had stuff on there saying that it was a VRR um, screen, and not just that it was even in like the video where I believe it said like all of the information on the video, the leaked video, and then when the official stuff got announced, that is not the case. It is. I don't think it's a, a variable refresh rate screen. Uh, if you go to their press release and read through their press release, they do say that it has a low, its lowest ref, uh, refresh rate is 60 hertz, and its highest refresh rate is 144 hertz, but they don't mention variable refresh rate. And uh, this morning, I was watching a video from Techspert, I think, is the name of the channel. Uh, I'd never seen them before, but you know, I, they're like a million subs, so clearly they're a big channel. And they had their hands on this thing, and they were showing that there, it's basically a switch. Like you go into the software, and you tap a button, and it brings up the refresh rate, and you can say, "Oh, I want this to be um, uh, a 60 hertz game, or I want this to be 144 hertz," kind of like how the Steam Deck does it now. When this thing got announced, and you and I were talking about this, one of the things that you had said is you you were excited for it to be this variable refresh rate that goes up to 144 hertz. Is this a deal breaker for you? It it, it definitely dampens my enthusiasm for it. I haven't been contacted by Lenovo, so I'm assuming I'm going to have to buy the thing. And after seeing that, I'm like, oh. I like, I, sure, I'll make it for my channel, but I don't. 
Like, I don't know. I don't think I would buy it at this point. You know, I've already used a device that had a high refresh rate. 120 hertz was the 1X Fly. Now, the review unit they sent actually only had 60 hertz as a whole thing there. But anyway, they're not having variable refresh rate on a 120 hertz display. And to me, it feels basically useless. It's just a, it's just a gimmick to put in marketing at, or... If you want to play an indie game that will run at 120 hertz, and there's going to be very few of those that might enhance that experience, that's like the only value I can see in it. I don't think that a lot of the like the competitive FPSs are going to run at 144 hertz uh, on this uh, chipset very well. So I'm not even sure, unless you're really kicking down the settings, if it's going to be worth it. Uh, like there's going to be a moment where you're like, I'm so glad. I have over 60 hertz going on right now. Like, I, I'm just not really sure, at least from my perspective, if it's going to be a value. Yeah. And it's funny. It's it's lowest is 60 hertz. That's disappointing to me because that means it doesn't go all the way down to, say, 40 hertz or something like that. Because if it was a if if, if we had the ability to have it at 40 hertz, like the Steam Deck, then if a game can't quite maintain 60 hertz, then I can set the game to lock the frame rate at 40 hertz and then lock the refresh rate of the screen at 40 hertz, and it's going to feel really smooth. Obviously not as smooth as if it were um, you know, 60 hertz or higher, but it will feel better than when it's you know kind of bouncing around a little bit. And so it it is very disappointing that it's not a variable refresh rate screen, but it's also disappointing that it doesn't go below 60 hertz. But I also think right. that if I'm, I remember- they'll probably be- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, there's probably gonna be third-party tools that will probably, like there's a custom resolution utility app that will that allows you, even if the manufacturer hasn't set it up that way, that you can sometimes set a 40 hertz display with some of these panels. And given that it goes all the way to 144, it might be something that's configurable, just something that they haven't put in their software, at least not yet. Uh, yeah, but you're right. The sweet spot is being able to play it at a lower resolution or lower uh, refresh rate, like with the ROG Ally. It goes down to 48 hertz with that VRR, and that is a that is a wonderful experience to me. 144 VRR, the VRR is way more important than the 144. Yeah, it. I feel like they're they're leaning into this mindset that a lot of a lot of gamers have that bigger number better. You know, like. Oh, well, this is 120, but this one's 144. So clearly it is superior. Well, okay, sure, it will hit higher frame rates, but the times that you're actually going to get that are very, very few and far between, and you would way more get a better experience or, or at least be able to benefit from uh, the, the stats if it was a variable refresh rate screen. Uh, if it yeah. were then obviously they would have said it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. 
With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Why do you, why do, boy, why was it in the previous, like, why was it in the, the leaked stuff and it's not in this? Do you think that has anything to do with, like, like they changed their mind? Or do you think it's more along the lines of, somebody just didn't know what they were talking about like whoever's in charge of making that video was like oh 144 and 60 that sounds very like variable refresh rate i guess it's variable refresh rate and they put that in there and then somebody's like oh yeah. no no that's not what that means you better take that out what do you think russ i mean tinfoil hat on i almost feel like um maybe they maybe those leaks like you know they leaked whatever right Maybe 799 with VRR was what they were targeting, and people were like, it's too expensive. And they're like, well, how can we cut costs? And so maybe they sourced a different panel that doesn't have VRR. Mm. That's the only thing I can think of, maybe, is that they did that to be able to lower it down an additional $100. I'm not really sure. You know, the other thing about it is I saw a lot of comments being like, well, you know, my phone's got 144 hertz, and it's so buttery smooth to go through the menus and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, great. You're not going to buy a handheld PC so that you can have buttery smooth menus. Like right. that's, that's not really a factor when it comes to something made for gaming. You got to think about what games you can play on it. And so, yeah, just all around, I'm just kind of bummed about it. And yeah, I'm not really sure why they did that, but that's my guess is that they probably wanted to drop down that price even more. Um, and that's where they cut the corner. Well, one place that they didn't cut the corner, I, I had some confusion about this until I watched the Techspert video, and I'll, I'll make sure that I put a link in the in the description uh, for this uh, if I can find that video again. But um, they talked about TDP. So if you look at the the press release from uh, Lenovo, the press release from Lenovo basically says that it runs at a TGP. They don't say TDP, which, and I looked at my keyboard and those are not like next to each other. All right. So it runs at a TGP of 30 watts. And I saw that and I was like, oh, I, I'm not sure what they mean by that because the ROG Ally runs at a TDP of 35 watts. And so like I was kind of, we, we were in our, uh, private discord we were me and some one of the other guys we were kind of talking back and forth about well how do you translate tgp to tdp what does it really mean but then in the textbook video uh they said this it like you get to set the custom tdp in the software the legion software and it has up to a 48 watt tdp which is much right. higher than the ROG Ally. So you are running that chip at a much higher TDP, meaning if you dock this thing, which by the way, I love that it has two USB-C ports. If you dock this thing to your TV and have it on custom, uh, uh, you know, first off, it's gonna have power bypass, so it's not gonna overheat your system, it's not gonna wear out the battery, uh, and then boost that thing up to 48 watt TDP, you're going to have some really performant games on your screen. And then you just take that system, undock it, take it with you and lower the TDP. That's really cool. What do you like? Yeah. Is, am I overstating so, that, Russ? 
No, no, exactly it. So there are many PCs that use the 7840HS chip, which is very similar to 7840U, and those can be clocked up to like 50, sometimes 60 watts. And the performance on those is exceptional. I've done a couple of videos on them from Minis Forum and B-Link, and they're just, they're to that point where I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I need a PC with a GPU with this thing. I mean, I'm going to make some compromises here and there, but it's to the point where I'm just like, this is so satisfying as it is right now. And so if the, you're going to able to get a similar experience with this without having to get an external GPU, you know, all that other kind of stuff, uh, that might work out really well, especially with like just from like a creature comfort kind of standpoint, the detachable controllers, if those are uh, comfortable to be able to just grab and, and pull off, can you imagine? Plug this in your TV in the living room, grab your controllers like a Nintendo Switch and just start playing. And like none of the Bluetooth, none of the, you know, none of that other kind of stuff. If they make a little attachment thing between the two, you know, you have your own controller. God, that might be a winning combination right there. Yeah. One of my biggest complaints about the Steam Deck is the fact that when you dock it, you suddenly lose all of the cool things that you can do because you have the track pads and those back mm. buttons. And then you have to, you know, you go, you grab like your Xbox uh, controller or whatever, and the inputs aren't the same. So with this, yeah. you know, you've got the same inputs that you have when you are holding the controllers in your hand and when you are holding the system in your hand. I think that that is really compelling. And the fact that it has two USB-C ports means you can charge it and plug it in without having to buy any of these extra docks. All you gotta have is an HDMI to USB-C converter and the charger that it comes with, and you are off to the races. Like This is right. really, really good. The only thing that you're gonna have to buy is probably a third party, one of those little things to put the controls in in between them. Uh, but I also do really like, like one of the things I really liked about the Switch is having my hands separated. Like it is mm. comfortable to sit there with your hands separated and instead of having them next to each other when you're playing a game on your Switch, having them separated is is really good. Um, speaking yeah, of- Yeah, my kids- Go ahead. I was gonna say my kids play like that where no. they, they don't they don't even I have that little attachment thing. I'm like, why don't you guys use that? And they're like, no. And they're just like, you know, going like this with their hands and they love it. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, not only that, but the these are much beefier controllers in your hand. Like they're much, much bigger. The switch ones are very, very small and thin. And so if you have like larger hands, they, they aren't comfortable for a long period of time. I like having my hands uh separated. But I would mm -hmm. prefer them to be bigger, and the the ones from the Legion Go look much more rounded, so you can get your hands around them very much like the back of the Steam Deck. In fact, Dave Two D's video he talked extensively about how comfortable it was to play those things. Uh, he focused more on you know the weird mouse thing that I'm not super, I'm not as excited about, but being able to take them off and sit on the couch and then put them back on and take my device with me, that is compelling, especially when yeah. you've got that big screen. One of the things that, you know, I play my ROG Alley a lot, uh, hooked up like to my external GPU. And um, one of the things that annoys me is that some games will still think that the, the controls on the device itself are the primary. And so even if I have a Bluetooth controller hooked up, it won't even register. And so I have to go onto the ROG Ally, go into the settings and turn the controller off. I love the fact they have that button. Like it's great that you can do that, um, but you won't have to do that with this, this one at all. You just, it'll be the same controls, which yeah, is great. It is. And that's, 
it's really good. Now let's talk about the controls a little bit more. Uh, so the button on the top right, the I think it's called the Legion R button. Um, that one is the one that activates your like quick. Uh, quick access menu or your command center, whatever it is that they want to call it. And that's where you can easily get in there, change your TDP to whatever you want, change your refresh rate to whatever you want. Uh, I think that that's really good. I like that they did that stuff. It makes it easy to get to, obviously inspired by the Steam Deck uh, because you know they're the ones that did that first. Um, let's see, anything else about the... So we hit the no variable refresh rate and the 48 watt hour or uh, TDP. Um, I feel like last week we kind of undersold the the improvement of the battery because the 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 ROG Ally and the Steam Deck both have a 40 watt hour battery, and this has a 49.8 or no 49.2 watt hour battery, which I was you know I did a little bit of napkin math, and that's about a 20 25 percent increase over what we already had. And I think nobody realized that because it still started with a four. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were like, oh, four. It's only it only went up by eight or like 9.2 watts. Who cares? But that's actually a pretty big increase. Do you think that that's going to be enough to make up for the fact that this has that massive screen? Yeah, it's, it's really going to depend on how they can do with power management, you know, um, I don't know. I, I I still think that we're probably going to get similar battery life to the Steam Deck with this one, even with that larger battery, um, just because they're you know pushing out a lot more pixels. You know, who knows about the that the amount of volume it takes to just light up that bigger screen? Mm -hmm. And yeah, 144 hertz as well. If you're going to be playing at that higher refresh rate, it's going to eat that battery away. The ROG Ally had a tangibly lower like battery life than the Steam Deck because they were the same, but then there were all those requirements on top of the ROG Ally. So this, I think, will probably just balance things out a little bit better. Yeah. Well, on top of that, the you know the ROG Ally, uh, it performs poorly at lower TDPs compared to the st to the APU of the Steam Deck. Um, this uses the same chip, so. You're not going to be running this at uh, you know a nine TDP uh, watt and still getting the same performance that you do on the Steam Deck. You would actually get better performance on the Steam Deck at the same TDP, but this has a larger battery, so that might not matter. But speaking right. of the battery, uh, it has this super fast charging, which. When I made my video, uh, which if you guys haven't seen my video, make sure that you check it out after this. Um, but when I made my video, I screwed up. Uh, I misread the way that it was phrased and punctuation was very important in that. Uh, but essentially, they said that you can go from zero to 70% when you plug it in, right? But the way that they had written the sentence made it seem to me like while you were gaming, if you plugged it in, you could go from zero to 70 in a half an hour which I was like, holy cow, that's really impressive. But the way mm -hmm. that it is actually working is if it's dead and you want to charge it, it'll get from zero to 70 in 30 minutes. By the way, that's awesome. But it also has power bypass so that when you do want to play it while you're plugging it in, it doesn't actually charge the battery at all. So you cannot charge the battery while you're playing, but... That's going to be healthier for the battery because it's not going to like drain it at the same or like charge it and play at the same time. Um, but if it's plugged in, you are just bypassing the battery and skipping it altogether. And I think that that's a really 
Like that is a good a good way to handle it. I was wrong in my video where I talked about that, but I think that this is a very good way to handle it. And if you can go from zero to 70 in a half an hour, I mean, is it really that big of a deal if it's running low? Like you can't take a break for a half an hour <laughs> and plug it in, go like stand up and stretch and then get back up to 70%. That is pretty crazy to me. It, it, am I wrong to think that that's a really, really fast charge time for a battery that size? That is great. Yeah, uh, it's pretty fast on the ROG Ally as well, but not that fast. And especially considering it's a larger battery. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a great like quality of life thing, especially if, yeah, like you mentioned, like, okay, you're going to go grab something to eat real quick and you're going to come back to your whatever handheld gaming marathon, then uh, that's going to be a great way to just jump back in and get some battery life. Especially yeah. like I'm thinking about like on a plane, you know, like if you take this on a plane, there's often times where I'll play for a bit and then I just get to that point where I need to take it like a 20 minute nap, you know? And so this would be a great time. Okay, let's charge it up while I take a nap or maybe move on to read or something else instead. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can see this being a really beneficial uh, addition too. And the the last thing I think about the um, the Legion Go before we move on to other topics is I just don't want to I want to try and make a comparison between like obviously Russ and I don't have our hands on this device yet but with the information that we have if you could pick I mean cuz now we have a decision to make if you could pick this or an ROG Ally this has a bigger screen uh it has two USB ports, it has faster RAM, um, it has those detachable controllers, which look awesome, and I feel like that it's going to be more comfortable to hold, in my opinion. It is heavier, but the like I like the roundness of the controllers. But then on the other side, you have a variable refresh rate of the ROG Ally, and I'm, I know which one I would pick. But I'm curious, which one would you pick, Russ? And everybody who's watching or listening, which one would you guys pick? Let us know in the comments. Go ahead, Russ. What do you think? If you didn't uh, have one already. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying not to, like, just buy into the shiny new thing, you know. But I do think that the Lenovo Legion Go just uh, might be a little bit more compelling to me. Like, the size and weight are something that I think I'll just acclimate to no matter what. Um, but having all those additional functionalities, that larger screen, bigger battery, like those things are pretty interesting for me, um, especially because my my major concern with the ROG Ally remains the battery life. Like I do, there's so many times where I look at it and I'm like, I'm about to play and I you know pick one of these things to play and I don't pick it because I'm like, I don't even know if the battery's going to last that long, you know, and so um if I if if when I get it in my hands and if it can get like a significantly better battery life experience, then um, yeah, that probably is going to win it out for me even more than the VRR. But yeah, we'll see. I, I do think that I'm leaning more towards the Lenovo, but yeah, definitely need to get it in my hands. Yeah, and obviously we probably might change our minds once we get our hands on it. We might be like, holy cow, this thing is going to like. I'm going to get some guns holding that just holding this thing up. My forearms are going to be <laughs> massive because this thing is so heavy. Uh, but like you, you said that you had your wife weigh the, the Steam, Steam Deck. Deck plus the the its case, and it was only forty grams lighter than the Legion Go, right? Right. Yeah, it's very very similar in weight, and that's the one I always grab instead of the ROG Ally because I'm like, oh, at least this one's battery will last longer, you know. And so uh, that says a lot. Yeah, uh, bigger number. Not always better, everybody. All right, let's move on and talk about uh, <laughs> which, which one of these stories you want to talk about next, man. 
Let's talk about the PlayStation Portal. Okay, so um, I didn't know that you had ordered one until Carrie uh, had posted it uh, over on Twitter, uh, and he, and he he mentioned me, and he was like, I think I think Bill got one too, and I was like, Yep, I did. Uh, so we both bought one, and I. I'm curious what your reasoning is, because I know that my reasoning, I think my reasoning is probably going to be different than you. Uh, so why, mm. why did you buy the PlayStation Portal? So before I started Retro Game Core, uh, I would have definitely called myself like a casual gamer. At that point in my life, I had a PS4, I had an Xbox One, and I would just buy like the exclusives, the AAA titles, things like that. And I always look out for sales. And one of the games I bought on sale was Detroit Become Human on the PS4. And that's a game that I played 100% remotely because the PS4 was in my kid's room. And I, anytime I wanted to play, they, they were asleep. And so I never got to actually use it on the TV. And so I ended up playing the entire game on an iPad with my PS4 controller connected to that. And so I played the whole game remotely. Um, and I bought the PlayStation Portal because I feel like there are a lot of other people that are in that same situation as I was in that like kind of casual gamer space where they are not looking to get a whole new de device and like learn all that other kind of crap. They just need something to be able to play more conveniently with this very simple setup they already have. And so I that's that's the audience I think for this is that it's an accessory. It's not a device. and. Uh, for that reason, I thought, you know, $200 is about that right price point. I, I would have paid for that back in the day when I was using my iPad because it wasn't that great of an experience. Uh, and so if I was going to pay for that back then, then I think that somebody today would pay for that too. And you know what? I am I was wrong. We are, it's, the, it's the absolutely the same reason. I think it's a compelling device in spite of the fact that it doesn't have Bluetooth. Um, I, I find it to be a pretty compelling like argument for $200. Now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have even thought about it. Like I wouldn't have had to think about it if it had Bluetooth, but because it didn't have Bluetooth, like I hesitated, I had to think about, do I really want to use this thing? And honestly, most of the time when I play games, I don't have headphones on. And I think it's, I think right. it's fine. Am I interested in getting Sony's headsets? No, uh, not even a little. I have a very nice, very expensive pair of headphones that is hooked up to my Xbox, my PC, my Switch, and my uh, PlayStation already. Like, it's already hooked up to all four of those things at the same time, and they're wireless. They're super comfortable. I'm not interested in spending $200 on the little earbuds from Sony. Um, if I'm going to use little earbuds, I'll just use my, my Apple ones, but... I still think that this device is interesting, and uh, it does have, like, uh, corded headphones. But everybody, like, I think a lot of people look at this and they're like, it only has streaming. I don't understand that. Like, it's only $200. I don't understand why that's a deal breaker for something like this, because streaming means that the battery is going to last a really long time. At least I would think so. I know Sony's batteries are kind of terrible uh but <laughs> i do think that when you are streaming on a device this uh it's an eight inch screen uh 1080p this like that's e that's a very easy stream to send uh and it's a very easy stream to decode so i think that this mm -hmm. the battery life on this is going to be pretty good and i watched um 
Uh, I can't remember who it was, but I watched a video of somebody who actually got hands on with it. And they were like, it's awesome. I love it. Is If I don't get one sent to me from Sony, I'm going to buy one, they said. And they were very, right. very excited about it. And that that's just very compelling to me. Do you think... Uh, do you think that people are going to change their minds about this thing over time? Or do you think people are locked in already because like they were looking for a reason to hate it. And then the Bluetooth thing came out and they said, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm done. Right. Yeah, I think it, you're exactly right. And that it's like this idea where they just needed to have a crack in the seam to be able to be like, <laughs> oh, look, this is why it sucks. You know, I think it fits for the use case, the eight hour battery life. I'm, I'm guessing it's gonna be about eight hours because that's like what the ba- the controller battery lasts. And that's what they're targeting. Even if it's six, it's fine. Yeah. Because you got to think about the fit of what you're going to be using it for. This is not a marathon, like all day gaming device. This is something that you're going to play when you can't play on your television, right? Or it's just not a a good opportunity. The way I see it is I would grab this, play it in the evening or whatever, and then I'm going to plug it in when I go to bed at night. And then the next day it'll be fully charged and I can do it all over again. And that's exactly like the way I would use it, you know? And so in that sense, it completely fits with that use case. And that that's exactly what I'm looking for. And it's an accessory. Like that's the thing. It's not a device. It's an accessory. And I bought the Xbox elite controller, the very first one, which I think was $200. I can't remember how much it was, but it was because I was playing with my buddies. We were playing destiny on the Xbox all the time, like almost every night. And I just wanted to have like the coolest, nicest experience with it. And it was worth it for $200. Like that's a lot of money. It was like my Christmas present that year, but I was so happy with it. I'm still happy with that. It's still like one of my primary controllers when I'm playing on the Xbox. And if you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same Jersey as you to be your best. Every time you step on the field, that's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It, I got $200 worth of value out of that. And I think that people will still get the same thing out of the PlayStation Portal. Yes, there are other devices you can get for $100 or less. You can do it on your phone. Um, but this isn't this isn't that same experience. And so I, I'm really looking forward to it. And when I get mine, I'm going to do a full like comparison against all the other ways that you can stream PlayStation and whether or not that's worth that price point. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, I, I will say like one of the things that I was going to bring up is all these other ways that you can do it. But none of those things, this has one thing that none of those other things do. It has the controllers that feel like Sony's controllers. Like even yeah. if you get, what's it called? The backbone? Is it the backbone? Backbone, yeah. yeah. Even if you get the backbone, that thing it doesn't feel like Not I haven't out. used it, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like Sony's controllers. It feels like a thing clipped on the side of your phone. It's thin. It's 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 closer in uh, comparison to Switch controllers, you know. Right. And like I have an iPad, 
and I have an, an extra uh, PlayStation controller, and I've done the thing where you stream it to your iPad, and I don't like, I don't like the thing where you've got the the controller and the device separated from each other. Well, I'll say accessory, where, where they're they're separated from each other. I prefer them to be together, and I really mm-hmm. like this. And it's the kind of thing like you're a hundred percent right. You just charge it when you go to sleep at night, and when you wake up the next day, it's fine. It's gonna last you through whatever. And I see the way I see me using this device is if I'm if I'm watching something with my wife, and I want to play a game that doesn't require any kind of like the, whatever part of your brain needs for paying attention. Like that's gonna be the way that I'm doing it on my on my PlayStation. And I mean, of I have all three consoles, and I've got a computer, and I've got a Steam Deck, and I've got an ROG Ally, and the place that I play most of my games is on the PlayStation. I don't probably just because I have the most storage on that because I I got the a big a big uh, um, uh, third party SSD that I put in there. Um, so mm. I, I'm I'm sold on this thing, and I picked it up, and I I had said before. I'm only getting it so I can make a video about it, but that's not true because it's it's actually part of my uh, use case. All right, um, boy, let's. T- did you did you get a chance to to watch the Super Nintendo or Super Super Mario Wonder Direct yet? I didn't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to have any sort of spoilers. I want to jump into that game like complete like a baby. You know, okay. like just like completely fresh. And so because I feel like I mean, we can talk about that, too. But it's like I feel like the game, uh, you know, even when they were developing it, they didn't put a timeline on the developers. They said, just make something amazing. You know what I mean? And so I want to go in with that same feeling of discovery. And so I have not watched anything. I watched the trailer like, you know, a few months ago or whatever. But I'm not going to look at anything else until it's actually out. That's fair. It, I'm, so. I'm curious is uh, like. Boy, I saw Jeff Kanata. Uh, he he posted this on socials. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday. Uh, he was talking specifically about Starfield, and he said, "I wish everybody <laughs> could play a game before, like five days before the embargo, mm-hmm. so that they could all experience the same thing that I get to experience, where I play the game and I don't have to worry about every time I go on the damn internet. There's 400 articles thrown in my face nonstop about this is the best way to do this. And like when I was trying to find topics for the show today, I went on my RSS reader and my RSS reader was story after story after story about Starfield, 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 Starfield. And I don't have Starfield yet. Like I could have bought it, but I decided, you know what? I have Game Pass. Why am I going to buy the game if I can just play it on Game Pass? So I'm going to wait a few days. So I haven't played it yet, um, and so next episode we'll probably have some hands-on time with that and be able to talk about it. Un- unless, do you have any hands-on that you can talk about? I haven't touched it. Okay, no. so yep. so, um, but but it was like just a wall of Starfield articles in front of me, and I was just like, oh my god, mm-hmm. it's terrible. So I like the idea where you're like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to watch this direct for a game that I am already hyped for. Um, my wife is the same way with movie trailers. She doesn't understand it for me. Like I love movie trailers because I like to get hyped about stuff. Like I like to get excited about a thing that I'm already excited about. And so I watch movie trailers and I watch like movie trailer breakdowns and stuff. And she's like, I don't want to see any of that stuff. And 
Mm -hmm. She says it for really smart reasons. Like there's big moments that they put in the trailer in order to get butts in seats. But those big moments would be more impactful had you not known about them until they happen in the movie. So I I get that. It seems like you're more like her. I am exactly like that. I mean, my butt's already going to be in the seat. Why would I want to spoil any of it? Because I like to get excited about stuff, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already bought my ticket. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see it. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I just don't want more hype. Like a good example is like Dune 2, you know, is coming out, Dune Part 2. Like I will love the first movie, you know, I'm not watching a single trailer of the second one. Like I am just going to jump into the movie. I mean, I, I love the book. I love the movies. So it's going to be great. See, uh, okay. So this isn't a movie podcast, but I'm just going to take a second to talk about this movie. <laughs> I was so bored during the first mm. movie but i think it's because i never read the books and the books are boring too yeah are they okay <laughs> well then i don't know because everybody was like oh my god that movie's so great and i watched it and i was like did they watch some other movie because i was like it was so long and there were parts of it where it was just like like it was cool it looked it was beautiful it was a well-crafted mm. movie but i feel like there was too many sweeping shots of the landscape and not enough. Yeah. Hey, here's what's here's what's going on. I don't know. It just didn't land with me. So I will watch the trailers for the second one in hopes that they <laughs> will get me hyped to watch the second movie, uh, which nice. I'll probably watch every anyway because it's a it's a nerdy thing. But let's easily transition from movies into video games and talk about. There's going to be some delays. We're going to have mm. some video games that are about to be delayed. And I don't think anybody is going to pay nearly enough attention to what's about to happen here. Um, the, the Screen Actors Guild, and I don't know what AFTRA stands for, uh, but the, basically they've been on strike uh, trying to fight against studio executives, uh, whether or not, you know, to, to, to get uh, AI so that actors are the people who are portraying roles instead of AI. Uh, and, you know, get more money because these companies are making buckets of cash. And you look at people always think of, oh, well, this big actor, like they live in a mansion. Yeah, but there's people who are actors who like also work at Burger King at the same time to pay their bills. Like those people are still mm-hmm. actors, too. And they're the ones that are needed the extra help. So that's why they're uh, striking right now. Well, they just said that they want to vote to also strike against the video game industry to get better contracts with companies like Activision and EA and stuff like that for the voice actors. Now, video game voice actors do not make a lot of money. So they're trying to get, I think it's like a 14% raise or something, uh, and then something else after that. But they also want to get it in there that you can't use AI to play their part so basically you can't steal their voice and make a new uh uh like a new performance from from them uh with ai and that means that if they vote to strike the last time that they voted to strike was in 2016 and that strike lasted 11 months um so if they end up going to strike one of two things is going to happen you'll have a whole lot of games without voice acting or you will have uh, very few games coming out, except for the ones that have already been made. So, like, who knows which games were affected by the 2016 strike? 
But this strike is going to affect any games that are in development now or any games that are in development after the strike happens. What do you, what do you think? Do you th how long? Boy, what do you think about this, Russ? I have so many thoughts. So first is that like I, I think this is great because I do think that voice actors do not get paid a lot in the video game industry. A lot of things blew up around the Bayonetta three uh, release because the voice actor didn't from the first two wasn't in it, and then like they a lot of exposure of kind of the industry itself like from those articles. And yeah, that was the thing that I came across is like, man, these guys are not getting paid uh, their due diligence. And so I appreciate the fact that this is happening from a purely like selfish standpoint. So not talking about all the other people that will be affected and everything else from the strike. Uh, I, I think it's a great thing as a gamer because it'll allow me to play some of my dang backlog. <laughs> <laughs> while I wait for these other games coming out. So, and this is purely selfish, right? But it's just like, I, I am okay with a slow, like we've talked so many times about how so many games are coming out, you know? Um, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> like, <laughs> let these people get paid their due and at the same time uh, allow us to kind of catch up on our other stuff. Yeah, and uh, make sure that humans are the ones who are playing these roles uh, because, oh, man, I can't. I just can't imagine. I cannot imagine like how much work that goes into voice acting because it's not just you show up, you read a line. Like you might read a line six hundred times, and they might have you do like screams and grunts as loud as you can for like for hours. Or I think the right. you're, I think you can only work a certain number of hours or whatever. But like, and and like you're an actor, nobody knows who you are unless you're david hater right like right there's only a couple of voice actors where people are like hey oh hey there's charles martinet who's retiring from this or there's david right. hater nobody else Nolan north yeah. yeah right nobody else is like oh yeah that guy i love that guy or that that lady she's awesome like that doesn't happen with video game voice actors um, so I, I like this and I love the fact that you're thinking, Hey, I'm finally going to be able to get ca uh, caught up on my, <laughs> <laughs> on my backlog, which right. no, 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 you're not. Cause they're going to make so many games <laughs> that just don't ha have voice dialogue and they're going to be like 300 hour, uh, JRPGs or something. And you're going to buy those games because I'll recommend them. And then you'll decide that they're terrible because we don't like the same kind of games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, real quick, I, I, I we've got this story. Uh, the Starfield reviews are out, and mm -hmm. I don't really care what other people think about it. Um, but like it's hitting around 88 or 89 or something like that on Metacritic. But it got me thinking like there was some discussion in uh, my community discord about it. It's an 88, by the way. There was some discussion in the community discord about the fact that the game uh the, the some people in uh, some companies in Europe like Eurogamer weren't getting review codes for the game and there was some people who were saying that it was because um they go on a 5 point system and they don't do half yeah. points and that means that if they scored a 4 out of 5 instead of a 4.5 out of 5 which you can't if you don't do half points, then you're four out of right. five. So that brings down the Metacritic score. And some people were um, thinking maybe that's the reason why they got like company uh, places like that got left off the review code 
because it would bring down the Metacritic score if they got a four out of five instead of a 4.5 out of five because they don't do half points. And like, I'm not, I've never been a fan of Metacritic. Like people are always trying to use it as a measuring contest. And they're like, hey, this has an 88 on Metacritic. This has an 87 on Metacritic. So the game with an 88 is better. I understand that games with high numbers are generally better games and games with low numbers are generally bad games. And we're going to get back to this when we talk about our, our final discussion topic. But when you are looking at the granularity of two numbers that are right next to each other, that doesn't indicate that one game is better than the other. And I was wondering how you, you feel about, do you feel like Metacritic is bad for the industry as a whole? Uh, so I think it's a it's not an incomplete measuring stick. I think that in the first month that a game releases, like it's a completely different story. There are so many different things that happen within that time period. They've got like the early release period, like right now with Starfield, so people who paid their hundred dollars or whatever to be able to play it early, like that's a demographic. And then there's the people who are looking at those scores and they want to kind of get that boosted score and all the other gaming that they're doing right now. I can't fault Bethesda or anybody else if they are trying to play that system because it is is a big measuring stick, not only in just public perception during launch, but then also like I have a friend who's in the game industry and he can recite me Metacritic scores because it it moves money in the gaming industry when they're like, oh, yeah, that only got a 48 or whatever. You're like, I'm making the number up. But like he has, has gone on record and like talking to me and he's like, yeah, it's uh, like that's how they make their money. Like, they they it's their measuring stick in the industry of whether or not they're going to like green light another sequel or things like that. And so whatever the gaming company needs to do in that initial kind of period to kind of, you know, whatever it needs to do to, to stay with everybody else. If everybody else is gaming the system, then you have to play the game for me as a gamer and, you know, for movies and everything else, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot, none of those things matter to me. Like it's, it is a small factor that I maybe will sometimes look at, but Maybe it's because you and I, Bill, are just kind of old and crusty at this point. But like, I know what I like. I know what I'm going to like. And I know what I want to invest my time into. And so those review scores of somebody else's experience will flavor like what I tend to do in terms of my buying decisions. But I will make that decision myself. And it's just a very small factor to it. And so because of that, yeah, there's a lot of Metacritic things happening in the background and stuff. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really care. Like it's, that's the first monthers, like the people who are playing that game in the first month, I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen like two years from now. Like, are people going to still say this is an epic, amazing game? Like tears of the kingdom is a great example. You bill said it was one of the best games you ever played in your entire life. It is. And then a month later, you're like, or two months later, you're like, Baldur's Gate 3 is one of the best games I've ever played in my life. It and is. I'm just like, Baldur's Gate 3 is better <laughs> than tears of the kingdom. If listen, I, if I'm if you gun to my head, make me put a list of games. It is Baldur's Gate three, Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild are my top three games of all time. Wow! Like uh, wow. that's how great that the, that I feel like those games are. Yeah. But Russ and I like different things. So it, first off, that's the reason why I never when I do review games, I never give a numbered score because I mm. don't like the idea of numbered scores. I think Steam has a much better uh, way of doing it where they have positive or negative or overwhelmingly positive or whatever the different right. levels are, you know, 
I like that way of doing it. And I wish that Metacritic would get away from the numbers side of thing, especially because you you were talking about that measuring stick and how um, how it's used in the gaming industry. There are times where a publisher will give a bonus to the devs if the if the game gets a Metacritic score of X. But if it gets X minus right. one, they don't get that bonus. And when you are looking at like an 83 versus an 84 or a 92 versus a 93, that doesn't tell you anything. Like it doesn't tell you that this one is a higher quality than the other, especially when sometimes you see reviews where people who are reviewing that, like they get a a game review and they're like, you know what I'm going to do? And I'm not accusing anybody of doing this, but I, I believe that some people do this. I am going to purposely give this game, which I think everybody else is going to give really good reviews for. I'm going to give it a bad review. And the reason I'm going to do that is because people are going to see that on Metacritic and they're going to click on it, which will take them to my <laughs> article right. and I will get more clicks that way. And it's it's a very skeptical way of looking at things. And but but I, I'm I'm 100 percent sure that that has happened in the past. And if you give it a low enough score, that could bring the whole number down below that point where the devs get that bonus from the publisher. And that's why I feel like Metacritic is bad for the industry. I like that it gives an easy way to go find all of the reviews like that's That's a useful thing. But I just mm-hmm. wish that it wouldn't number number uh, not put numbers i just wish it wouldn't put numbers on it when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, well, quantify it. Yeah, quantify yeah. it. That's the word that I was looking for. All right. Well, let's get back to the question that was sent in by uh, Mr. President Tom. Uh, they mm. said, I'm wondering what everybody's favorite game that was incredibly poorly reviewed. Some that come to me, uh, mind for me are Kirby's Air Ride, which had a Metacritic score of 61, Golf With Your Friends, which had a Metacritic score of 68 to 71, depending on the system, and Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which had a Metacritic score of 73. So uh, I sent this to you earlier today. I'm not sure. Did you get a chance to come up with a game that you felt like you loved, but it scored poorly on Metacritic? Yeah, I had two that I came up with. One is a retro game and one is like a more modern one. All right. Start with the, the retro one and then, we'll, then I'm going to go and then we'll get your modern one afterwards. Yeah. So retro is like a totally different world because, you know, back in the day you wouldn't 
you would judge a game like i'm sure there are people who maybe had nintendo power i did not and so uh you measured a game by the box art and what the back of the box said at blockbuster you know or or sometimes you know if you were lucky enough to buy a game you know um and so sometimes that was your judgment and you didn't have like somebody else giving it a score uh and so and even today i don't think that there are like if you went on metacritic and looked at an nes game for example i'm not sure there's enough data out there to be able to say what critics were thinking at that time you know uh but one game that came to mind uh was a game that we had bought uh probably mostly because of the cover or maybe my parents bought it or whatever and it was i'm sure people didn't like this game but man we played the heck out of it it was shadowgate which was um it was one, it's an RPG, but it was one of those where it's like it just shows one screen and then you've got like your your mouse cursor and you move around like look and then you look, you know, touch, you know, that kind of thing. Very old school, almost computer kind of feel to it. Um, but you're using the NES gamepad for it. That's a game that we played through and unlocked all of its mysteries without the use of the Internet or any of that kind of stuff because we didn't have that back then. And we beat that game just kind of figuring things out over time uh, on rainy days and it, we played it out of a necessity and a requirement, but it's still a game that I load up every time I load up a ROMs list on a, a retro game or a system. I put on Shadowgate, and I know people don't like it. I remember my friends being like, "This game is so terrible. Why do you keep playing it?" And I'm like, "I just gotta get through it. You know, I got I gotta play it." And I'm I was enjoying that moment, and so that's a game I love, and it's like a game I treasure. It's a game I still haven't played through <laughs> again because it is slow. But uh, yeah, that's one of those where it was like probably very poorly reviewed for what it was. It wasn't the right medium for that type of game, you know, playing that on an NES gamepad. Uh, but man, I, I soaked or spent, you know, hundreds of hours on that thing. I hated that game. I, <laughs> I ended up trying it out and you're right. Moving a, moving the cursor around with the, with the D pad on the NES was not a good experience. And so I didn't get very far in that game. Uh, that's awesome though. I love that you loved that game. And it's also the kind of game, where, yes, I feel like the D-pad experience is awful, but having it on a TV and sitting there with other people to figure things out on right. screen, that is compelling. Like, that's a yeah. compelling thing, and I, I can totally understand that. Um, and you do, you kind of lose that when you go to a computer with it, because... A computer computer seems like more of a solitary experience. Uh, I mm -hmm. mean, when my when my when I was a kid, I remember my friends and I playing games like Police Quest and stuff like that, and we'd sit next to each other at the computer and play. But it it wouldn't be as good as if you were playing it on the TV. Uh, so so yeah. I totally get that. Um, yeah, one of us had like a pad and of paper and a pencil, and like you know, we were like writing down, like trying to remember. Okay, remember they said that during that part or whatever. And so that was a fun experience. The only other game I can think of where we had something similar to that was Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker. Because those maps, like the the sailing and all that stuff, was just so much, and we were just like writing it all down. So anyway, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so for me, I'm I, I went newer, much newer than that, uh, but still a game that's like almost seven years old at this point. Uh, I ended up picking this game up for the Nintendo Switch because when the Switch came out, it didn't have a whole lot of games and. Uh, this one is called Has Been Heroes. I don't know if you've ever played mm. Has Been Heroes. Um, Never even heard of it. It was a Nintendo Switch exclusive uh, when it first came out. Uh, I believe it's on other systems now. It got a 54 on Metacritic, so uh, really bad. But I love this game. It is so good. So if you've never played it, 
the way that it works is you have these uh, these heroes that are they're they're past their prime, uh, but they got to go on one more epic quest, and mm. you you have three of them at a time, and you have three lanes in front of you, and you it's basically turn based where they're going to attack the lane in front of them, but you can push buttons in order to swap them between different lanes and you know they'll have different abilities based on which heroes you have and you can have a bunch of different uh, like a bunch of different heroes to choose from and it's also a roguelike so as you play through the game you continually switch like who you're using on this run i'm going to use the this guy this guy and this guy they're going to be on these lanes as they go down you're like okay there's um these two guys are these two enemies are next to each other on the other side of the screen and in three turns they'll be to me so what i need to do is use some strategy to move my guys around so that the guy that's going to do the damage to them the best is in the right place at the right time and i think the reason why i got a 54 on metacritic is not because it's bad but because it's bad at teaching you how to play it's incredibly mm. bad at teaching you how to play. And so therefore, it is ridiculously hard. Uh, but it is a really, really fun game once you learn the mechanics behind it. And I ended up having to go to like a YouTube video and watch somebody else explain how to play. I think it was an interview with the dev. And the dev was like explaining how to play. And then when I tried it, I was like, oh, okay. It all clicked, and it was so much fun. Uh, and, like, you play through, you unlock stuff, you get killed, game over, spend your credits on getting a new hero that plays completely different than the other ones. Then, you re, you know, you recompose your team of some new, oh, maybe this time I'm going to take the healer and the warrior and the wizard. Oh, next time I'm going to take the healer, the rogue, and the warlock. And so you always have, like, this different makeup of your team and the game is randomized as you play with random maps and you you pick where you're going in different uh, directions on the map. It's just so fun and everybody hated it. So that's the one <laughs> for me. Um, before we get to your modern one, Russ, um, if everybody could leave a, a message down below of their games that they loved that reviewed poorly, I would love to hear about those. Russ, what's your modern game? So it's modern-ish. It was Xbox 360 era, but it was Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Did you ever play that one? No. I think you told us about it before, but I don't remember. I'm not yeah. sure. So it's by the same folks that made, like, Heavenly Sword. Um, and so it's it's it was cross-platform. It was on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation 3. Uh, and it is a third-person, like, kind of adventure game uh, with, like, Batman Arkham-style, like, um, combat. And... This game, it, it, it got reviews that were pretty good. I remember the time it was like a 75 to 80 game, like in terms of scores. And I'm not sure what it is nowadays. Um, but this, like it, it checked all of the boxes for me. Number one, it was like third person, like just kind of the, you know, like the movement and stuff was just very kind of easy to do. A lot of like kind of climbing puzzles, similar to like Uncharted, but then also the combat was, it was a lot of fun as well. But the story really drove it. And um, the thing is, like, I love it when a, a game goes deep. 
like just the story wise, just like goes for it. And so a couple other experiences I had like that, uh, for example, Assassin's Creed two, did you play through that one? Um, no, I never, I have the okay. only Assassin's Creed that I've played is, um, the, the Viking one, the, uh, Valhalla. Okay. So the thing with those newer games and even the first one is that they had a story to it, but it's more a collecting kind of game, you know, like you're just filling out your map and stuff like that. Assassin's Creed two just went for it. Like not only did it explain like what they were going for in terms of the story, you know, the crusades and all that stuff, but then also like the origin of human beings, like they went that far into it and they okay. like alternate reality stuff. Like they just code like Adam and Eve, like they go all into that stuff. And I loved that. And, uh, Enslaved does the exact same thing. Like, it's not like they just keep going. Like, I thought, okay, yeah, this is like a surface story. Yeah, like, why are they here? Like, why is his memory wiped? Or I can't even remember all the things, right? And they get to the point where, like, no, this is like how humans started, right? Like, they go that far back and deep. And I love it when a movie or a video game does that. And this game just keeps going. Like, they just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. I thought the game was going to be over story-wise. And they're like, no, here's 30 more minutes of just lore that we came up with and made cutscenes for. And I love that stuff. And so this was a game where I was just delighted over and over again the further I played into it. I haven't replayed it since then because I had such a great experience at the time. But I do own it on PC. I install it on all my devices. And someday I'm going to sit down and actually <laughs> like play through it again. And so... That's a game that I completely treasure, even if it's got like even, you know, 70, 80 uh, score on Metacritic. It is a 95 to me. It's got its flaws, but it's great. If it even it's a 95 to me, I love that yeah. phrase. That is really, really good. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, we told you at the beginning that Russ had put a game up on his screen. Uh, uh, I'm going to play the music from that game really quick so you guys can can hear it. But I think I know what it is. So let's let's play okay. it real quick. I don't hear. Oh. All right. Now, one thing that I noticed in the background is that the Sega logo came up. Okay. Yes. All right. And I definitely see. I'm not sure which one it is. All right. But it's mm. I definitely saw like the the dragoon or the the dragon <laughs> flapping his wings around. Uh, so it's a Panzer Dragoon game, but I'm not sure which one it is. So I only get one shot, okay? You guys can all let us know what you think in the comments down below. I'm going to say Panzer Dragoon 1. Correct. Yes, yeah, this, I nailed the, it's, it. It's the only one. You know, I never tried the other ones other than for testing and stuff. It's a great game. It's an on-rail shooter. It's like Star Fox and Dragons. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that It's got a great thing. soundtrack, too. You know what? I don't remember, like, if, if I had just played this the music there's no way mm -hmm. that i would have guessed without seeing the visual but the people who love the panzer dragoon games adore the panzer dragoon games like they are really into it so they probably would have gotten it right away uh but anyway uh thanks so much for uh giving us the the game to check out and uh that's gonna do it for us today russ when's your next video coming out and what is it so I'm actually wrapping up a video today on the AYN Loki Zero. So this is the $250 handheld PC that they've been talking about forever. It is now out. Like, this is the one I pre-ordered. It arrived. This isn't a review unit or anything. And so $250 bucks for a handheld PC, 1080p screen, a battery life or battery that's larger than the Steam Deck, 
small, comfortable, excellent controls. Like this is all the things that I've always wanted in a mini PC or a handheld PC that is at a budget price. That's before shipping though. So, you know, shipping is going to be more. Uh, but the thing is the chip on it. Like I was just so happy with it, but I'm just so used to playing like 7840U devices and mm-hmm. stuff. It is rough when it won't play like Saturn at full speed. And I'm like, holy crap, like there are some major performance uh, compromises here. And so that's that's really gonna be the talk of the video is like, it is so awesome that you can play lightweight PC games and stuff like that, but it's, that's all you can play. You can't play anything beyond lightweight PC games. And so if that's for you, then this is a perfect fit. Awesome. Well, I, I'm interested. I'm definitely gonna watch that. That's coming out today or tomorrow? Tomorrow, let me out tomorrow. So right. it'll be a Sunday release. Yeah, there you go. And um, I don't uh, like this. This video will probably come out on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, so that's when you guys will see that. Uh, and my next video will probably come out on Friday after that. So so make sure that you subscribe and go over to youtube.com slash retro game core to subscribe to uh russ's channel as well thank you guys for hanging out with us thank you to mr president tom for giving us a really cool discussion topic for today and uh, if you Mm. guys leave a comment down below with a discussion topic for next week's episode and we choose your topic uh, i will reply with a code for a game on steam so thank you guys for hanging out with us and we will see you all next time on the nerd nest take it easy everybody bye guys